Okay, hello, and welcome to the next episode of Getting There, conversations with school district administrators talking about how they are responding to the COVID crisis. Uh, my name is Kevin Hogan, and with me is Andrew Wallace. Andrew, how are you? Doing well, Kevin. How are you doing? Good. I can see that you're actually kind of beating me on the COVID beard contest, huh? I think well, maybe in volume, but uh, I stopped uh, plucking the grays. You know, that was uh, <laughs> something I could have managed maybe three months ago, and now right. it's just overcome me. <laughs> well, let me give you a little intro to, uh, to Andrew. Uh, Andrew, he's the technology director for South Portland Schools in Maine for about 14 years, 15 years. How long, Andrew? Uh, 16 years now. 16. Wow. Okay. Yep. And still a member of the State Educational Technology Directors Association? I am. I'm the president of that organization until they realize that I'm term limited out, but they oh. haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> Fantastic. And then you were uh, also on the faculty of the University of Maine's Graduate College of Education? I am. Yeah, I teach um, instructional technology uh, online. Fantastic. Fantastic. And uh, a longtime advisor uh, for me and for the work that I've done in education technology and have always appreciated your advice and consent which is why you were uh, number two on the, on the interview list for, uh, awesome. for, for getting there. Let's get started. I mean, it's the, um, unfortunately, the only question you can start off any interview with these days, but uh, how has the district been doing in terms of the transition into remote learning? Yeah, um, it feels almost like it was just yesterday when we, we got the news that we would not be coming back after a weekend of a sort of uncertainty. Um, and, you know, like many districts, uh, we felt good about the amount of devices we had out to our families, um, but we really had a sort of a, a mad dash to get all of our families connected. Being connected was our number one uh, sort of goal to start. So understanding that maybe we weren't fully prepared or even half prepared to teach in this environment, what we needed to do was make sure we were really connected. So. Uh, my team spent the first uh, probably three weeks working pretty hard, uh, pretty diligently to get as many families as we could connected with at least one device and access to the internet so we could, um, uh, you know, engage with them and keep them as engaged as possible in a time where we didn't really know what was going to happen. Yeah. Talk a little bit about your district. You're in, well, I think Maine, I think rural, but you're also South Portland, so you have a, a bit of an urban uh, rural. Yeah. Mix. So we're definitely an urban uh uh, district only um, we're the fourth largest school district but geographically we are the most densely populated city in the state so we're very tight um, you know it's only eight to nine square miles I think where all of our our uh, residents live yeah and so um, the cool thing is you know you got internet pretty much floating around in the air all the time uh, you don't have to go far to get connected to an open Wi-Fi spot and so we found ourselves at around, you know, right off the bat, 95, 97% connected. Okay. All right. Well, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But uh, in terms of the, uh, your device strategy, you're also saying that most kids already had one or um, what, what was this, the status there? Maine has always been uh, progressive with uh, the one-to-one -one devices, right? Yeah. We've been doing one-to-one -one in Maine since 2003 uh, at a couple grade levels. And most school districts in Maine expanded it upward from grades seven through 12. And then a lot of them are so slowly creeping down to the elementary schools. So in my district, we've been one-to-one -one with iPads, grades six through 12, uh, since the iPad came out. We were one of the first uh, iPad one-to-one -one schools. And then uh, we have been backfilling with Chromebooks that stay in the classroom. So we felt pretty good. You know, 
we had a sort of a philosophy that we really weren't doing one-to-one at grades pre-K to two. We just weren't sure that that was educationally appropriate. But I can assure you we are revisiting um, our thinking around that now, just out of necessity. And also just because we are seeing um, the ability of people to stay engaged and kids to safely and responsibly use technology, no matter what their age is. So yeah. that's been kind of a eye-opening and, and maybe has changed the way I will approach uh, our youngest students with technology. No, very much like um, I've been talking with folks saying that they were all set up for e-learning days for snow days or, or maybe a couple days, but not a couple weeks or a couple months. And I guess it's the same with device management as well, right? Talk a little bit about how you are working to maintain devices and, uh, and kind of the nitty gritty IT aspects of uh, the setup. Yeah, at first we started out like a lot of people, we set up tables and we we had people come in and try to like keep our social distance and we tried to troubleshoot. And what we realized is that it just wasn't working out for, for any of us. We were maybe uh, taking too much of a risk um, interacting with too much of the public or them interacting with us because we were interfacing with lots of people in the very beginning before we fully understood the virus. Um, also trying to schedule people to come in as many of my staff members uh, stayed home with their families or because of you know, legitimate health concerns. I mean, just because we were uh, in such a small space, we didn't want to be fully staffed physically. Uh, what we realized was we couldn't just be waiting around for people to come see us. And so we took a two-pronged approach. Um, one is we engaged our transportation office to help us deliver the devices to the families or the hotspots to the families that needed them. What we realized is, and I'm driving around in the neighborhood in a city I know well, I grew up there, and I still don't know all the streets. And you're calling people on the phone and they don't recognize my number because um, it's my cell phone. And we just spent a lot of time waiting for people to give them things or they weren't home. So what we did was we, we said, well, who's really good at this sort of stuff? And we looked at our transportation department who has a whole dispatch office, right? And they drive around on school buses and everybody trusts the school bus. They don't trust my crummy little uh, sedan, right? Driving into <laughs> their, their parking lot. Right. Not that I look shady or anything, but you know, I got a big beard. I'm intimidating. <laughs> Um, but in any event, you know, the bus would be driving into a neighborhood, the dispatch would uh, call ahead to the family and say, hey, can we drop this off? We would leave it out on their front yard or on their porch and, you know, again, keep that social distancing and uh, families could get the technology they needed. So that was a, a way that, you know, I thought was great as the transportation folks were not as busy because they're not driving kids around. You know, we had a goal of keeping as many of our employees fully employed as possible. And I think we, we saw 100% of that uh, happen because we found creative ways to get people to work. Yeah. Um, another thing we did, I was just, I was at, uh, at uh, Whole Foods and I, and I was looking at the Amazon lockers and I was like, yeah, maybe that is a way we could do things, right? So we found these old gym lockers and we put them, we bolted them to the wall outside of my office. And we have a camera there that I don't even know if it works, but it's a deterrent anyway. Yeah. And what we did was we bought combination locks. And if someone needed a new device or they wanted to swap a device, we didn't spend all this time trying to troubleshoot over the phone because it's just not effective. And we didn't want to be interfacing with people so much that we would just, you know, you want a new iPad? We'll put an iPad and locker S. And this is a combination. And come and get it whatever you want, which is really cool because, you know, some of our families work third shift. Some of our families... Uh, have a hard time, or you know, um, with translation and talking with us because we have, I think, 42 languages spoken in our district. Wow. Um, but you know, when you show someone a video 
of how to go to a locker and put in a combination and get that device out. It's a lot more visual and it seems to be working really well. That's fantastic. That's really kind yeah. of an innovative uh, approach to it. Yeah, actually the next step too though, uh, I was talking to my friend Kyle Berger, who's a CTO down in uh, Grapevine, Texas, down near Dallas. And what they've actually done, which is interesting, is they've extended it to the next level where they actually are putting the school lockers in grocery stores. So ah. Families have less places to go. You know, they can do all that sort of when they leave the house, go grab yeah. their groceries, grab the technology. I know other people are distributing books and uh, paper materials that way as well. Those folks who maybe have a more widespread problem with kids connecting to the web or fewer devices at home. So I can see that sort of delivery method uh, growing uh, more and more. So those are two of the ways that we've been reaching out to folks. And is that something that you see um, in the near term and in the, in, in the long term is actually changing that strategy permanently? Or is this something that is still just kind of like in this time? I mean, is that something that um, you've even considered yet? Well, actually, an interesting byproduct of this is that, you know, we're not spending a lot of time. Someone calls and says, hey, I've got this uh, problem with my computer and it's sluggish and can you fix this or that? We're actually finding that we're, we're saying, you know what, we're going to do a device swap and here's a step-by-step -step guide and here's a video on how to back everything up to the cloud. Yeah. So we're, we're actually finding is helping us move towards teachers taking responsibility for their own uh, material yeah. and backing up their own data. And it's, and you know, swapping out a device used to be something that people would dread because, yeah. you know, I'm the same way. I'm still, I'm not, this is not my own example. You know, I dread getting a new laptop because I'm going to move all my old stuff over and worry yeah, about yeah. what I'm going to be missing. But people are becoming much more independent in how they maintain their devices. And so that's been an interesting byproduct. I think we'll keep doing it. Uh, it certainly cuts down on the amount of time fixing devices. We just wipe them out, you know, clean them off, give them a few days to sit there. Uh, when we don't touch them and then we can get them out to the next teacher and they log in and log into the cloud, whether it's iCloud or Google drive and they get all their stuff right back. Yeah. Pretty seamless. Uh, give us a little breakdown of, of the, of the gear that you're using in terms of uh, the cloud and uh, your software and hardware. Absolutely. So we had um, previously been using Outlook for um, email and we've been using network drives. Uh, so teachers had to log into specific drives, shared folders and things of that nature before we started making this move to the cloud. We embraced Google long ago, but we never did Gmail uh, until, until it's the cost of moving to the cloud on Microsoft was gonna be a bit more. Uh, that sort of impelled us to really embrace the Gmail infrastructure and ecosystem. So we've been doing Gmail and Google Drive. You know, We haven't bought servers and I can't remember how long. Uh, teachers are just so much more independent in how they do it. And, um, you know, they can collaborate so much better with students too. So the, the iterative process of documents back and forth, the feedback loops are just so much more enhanced yeah. when we start using cloud-based tools. Yeah. And teachers, you know, selfishly, one of the silliest things people, you know, never did was to give them laptops. Teachers will, you know, they just want to connect when it's good for them. Sure. And they just... They're so much more productive. And who am I to say you need to be connected to my school network to be productive? Right. Um, and right. they're just connected with kids all the time. Yeah. Now more so than ever. And so I'm glad that we have been doing cloud-based you know, cloud infrastructure for a while now because it's not quite so jarring. I'm hearing of some colleagues where, you know, they're very network specific. You know, kids have to physically go to the, to the parking lot to get the update to their 
to their latest tools. Right. And uh, since we're, we've embraced those sort of cloud-based tools, that's not a problem for us. Yeah. And we use iPads and Chromebooks. Uh, and, and our Chromebooks are all convertible Chromebooks, you know, where the kids can use their finger or they can type. Um, and we found those to be uh, successful and a great bridge to switching over to iPad. Right. As we get older. You were mentioning the teachers, um, you know, in a lot of the coverage that I've been uh, following and, and, and writing about, uh, you know, was talking about social emotional learning when it comes to the students and about all the, um, the burdens and, and students and parents, right? I mean, the, the parents are now into the equation, but not as much about um, faculty uh, who are also happen to be the parents and everything else. But in terms of keeping connection and supporting the, the faculty, have you had any uh, experiences or uh, any suggestions on that front? Yeah, it was, um, some of our administrators are really dialed into this and it's wonderful. You know, I've seen um, some of our social workers are doing online yoga classes for kids and for teachers. Uh, we did uh, an Instagram, a couple of Instagram accounts where, um, you know, people are posting funny pictures or just, you know, what made their day. Um, and they're getting a lot, a lot of hits there. Yeah. Uh, and we did, which what you know, uh, our athletic director and some of our administrators pulled off a uh, digital spirit week because that was something that was going to be coming up. Some like a tradition in our district that people really enjoyed. Yeah. And it's sad to see those things, you know, I mean, it's Absolutely. really, um, it's brutal. And I feel so terrible for, you know, those high school seniors, but it, like, you, like you said, more so, you know, my own son's um, kindergarten teacher is retiring this year and I can't even imagine, uh. you know, oh, it's yeah. just sad, you know, yeah. to, that your career ends this way. And I just hope we're really cognizant of um, how this impacts our teachers. And I, and I know it does. And, and we're just going to be really kind to all these people. And I hope we honor them and recognize them as best we can, because this is not the way you want to end your career, sadly. Yeah. But you know what's amazing is, like, I'm just seeing, including my son's own teacher, people just go into the bell, you know, and they're just learning new things. And just, it is amazing. Teachers love a challenge and they are stepping up and they're learning new things constantly. So I'm just really impressed with that. How's your, how's your pivot now? I mean, what, what, as you look towards the fall or what's the temperature there in Maine in terms of hybrid, <laughs> are we all remote or, um, you know, have you been able to take any first steps in that direction? Yes, we're, we're in that process right now. We're looking, we're phrasing things as uh, red, green, or yellow. So stoplight type situation, green is school as usual, right? With, you know, some basic, you know, whenever we're going to, I don't know what we're going to do, but like temperature checks or just spacing might be different or bag lunch instead of a la carte and yeah, you know, yeah. that sort of stuff. Uh, so green is good. And, you know, we all know how to do green. Right. And then there's red, which is, you know, CDC, our government, our state says stay home. And then there's yellow, right? Yellow is an intriguing prospect. And I, you know, we're batting around some ideas. Uh, I'm not at liberty to say exactly, you know, because there's no firm plans yet. Yeah. But I know some districts are talking about alternating days. Other districts are talking about, you know, maybe the, those kids that are most likely to succeed independently, maybe they go to some digital learning. Um, this is not the stance of my district. I got to be very clear, but you know, sure. it's, it's my belief that especially as someone who's an online, you know, professor, so to speak, that they're all going to 
encounter online learning, online classes. Uh, and so in a way, some of this is going to be okay for our, our older kids. Yeah. And we'll have some benefits, right? And they have those skills to independently learn and self-regulate and the executive functioning skills while not perfect and most teenagers are certainly better than my eight-year-olds. Right. So, um, you know, as the economy starts up again too, these parents got to get back to work. I don't know. I'm leaning, I would love to see a model in which those who are least benefiting uh, from direct instruction maybe are the ones that we see less often. Yep. In an ideal world, we can see them all, and that's what I'm hoping and praying for. But at the same time, we've got to start preparing for what, what the fall might be. Yep. I mean, another thing we're doing, too, is we just tomorrow will publish um, an online and a synchronous and asynchronous 10-hour uh, course for all of our teachers. So all of our teachers and all of our administrators will take this course, uh, which is, you know, based around designing for online learning. Um, but the pillars of it, you know, student agency, navigation, uh, the role of teacher, um, you know, those sorts of elements, assessment, those are critical, valuable teaching skills and instructional skills that we would want our teachers to have anyway. So I'm trying to figure out what are the great things we're doing now that we will retain uh, as we go forward, regardless of what physical environment we're in, where we're learning from, where we're teaching from. Right, right. So yeah, that's uh, to lead into my next question. It's like, you, there are some takeaways from all this uh, madness, right? I mean, this this may be propelling education uh, in a positive direction as miserable as it is right now. Yeah. And you think about folks who've been talking about, you know, the flipped classroom model for a long time, right? I mean, now more than ever, when we get a chance to be with our students, we are going to cherish that time, right? Yeah. And yes, there's going to be a lot of relationship stuff that goes along with that. But the reality is we're going to really, you know, we're going to really think about, how do we get the most out of the time we are together? Yeah. How do we go deeper on the stuff that really requires me as an educator to be there with you? Yeah. And so I do think we're going to see more um, in-depth collaboration, project-based learning, experiential learning, and then the lecture stuff and the preloading, right? That stuff that we can more independently do that doesn't require um, a person with you. I'm just going to see a lot of that being sort of the homework, so to speak. Right. And so those champions of the flipped classroom, I mean, this is in many ways, you know, going to be what really puts that over the, over the top for them. Yeah. How about um, the other 800 pound gorilla of which there are dozens uh, uh, in terms of assessment, um, <laughs> looking at the learning loss that's happened over these past couple of weeks. Um, and how do you, itemize that how do you collect that how do you look at that and then you look at testing going forward the ceo of uh, act just resigned uh, a couple days ago ceo of act resigned california schools you all the california schools um just announced i think today maybe that's why the act guy resigned uh yeah. that they are going to develop their own test and they're they're going to suspend the use of sat act i believe uh, you might want to verify that. Fact check me on that. But I'm fairly certain that just came out today. Um, you know, standardized tests have pr pretty much were almost all canceled. Uh, ours certainly was. Uh, losing that data, that longitudinal data, data, whether you like standardized tests or not, is, is a blow. Um, but I, I do see, um, you know, I don't see it coming back necessarily the same way as before. 
Yeah. Um, it's just too high stakes and too time bound and too specific, I think. So I see, you know, an opportunity for other meaningful assessments that are maybe more um, doable throughout regular instruction. So maybe a child doesn't even know they're being assessed, right? As they're yeah. doing their work, there's assessment happening. That can happen. You know, it doesn't have to be a culminating event. And so, yeah, whether that industry was sort of reeling a little bit, you know, because it's not a popular thing. I mean, I understand why it happens, but I think this is going to change, change things forever in how yeah. we assess students. Although at the same time, you know, everyone's left behind, right? So we didn't cancel school just, just for us. So unfortunately right. we're all left behind. Um, I hope we continue to engage with kids more and more. I mean, for us, we decided to not collect the student devices back um, because we don't want to interrupt that learning. And so for a lot of our students and a lot of our families, the device that we give them is their primary device at home. And we want them, you know, they're thirsty. Um, nobody wants their kids to be left behind, right? Yeah. And so there's so many great online resources. One of our um, library, teacher librarians, in conjunction with her colleagues, is making a website where teachers can go. I mean, sorry, rather, teachers, parents as teachers can yeah. go to keep the kids engaged, um, to connect with some of the high quality resources that we provide, but also to engage with things like Khan Academy, um, you know, other, other such resources for, right, for people. Right. Well, it's great. It sounds like um, you folks really have it uh, together. And uh, it's, it's impressive. There's so many districts right now that are, are flailing, unfortunately. And hopefully um, with conversations like these, um, you know, we, we can uh, help propel and share some best practices. Yeah, well, it's, uh, we're always listening. I'm looking forward to seeing the other interviews and learning what we can. Yeah, um, that's how we're going to get through this. You know, we're all going to have great ideas, and we're all going to we're all going to go forward based on some of those great ideas. And uh, like they, like we all say, we're in this together. You know. Yep, that's it. Well, Andy, thanks very much for your time. I appreciate it. You got it, Kevin. Nice to talk to you. Thanks.